Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Uh, great to be with you all again on this Halloween night. It's Halloween! Yeah! Um, yeah, I hope you'll come to our Halloween party on Friday night at my house. It's, you have to take like a dark road up to my, through my dark driveway to get there, so it's extra creepy. And uh, yeah, it will be fun, so you should come. And uh, tonight we're looking at a passage from John like we've been doing all semester and we have covered now a good portion of the Gospel of John, and we uh, started looking at some of uh, the way Jesus introduced him. John introduces Jesus, and Jesus interacting with different uh, people, a, a religious leader and a sinful woman. And then we began to look at Jesus, all these miracles he performed, and a lot of times they're associated with one of these, they're called I am statements, and so we looked at things like Jesus feeding the 5,000 and saying, I am the bread of life, and how he can truly satisfy, and uh, we saw him healing a blind man, and uh, learning that he is the light of the world, and uh, tonight, so that's been going on, and uh, last week we began looking at this section of John, which is Jesus's last night with his disciples before he would go on to be crucified. Uh, So it's this kind of farewell discourse with his disciples. And uh, tonight, uh, we're going to continue on. So this is, you know, imagine your last words. You're a leader. Your last bit of uh, encouragement and wisdom that you would have to offer. And that's what this is. Uh, for Jesus, uh, speaking to his disciples on this night before he would be crucified. So let me read it for us, John 15, verses 1 through 11, and then we'll spend some time examining it. So uh, this is Jesus talking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray again. (coughs) Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would give us grace to hear it, 
and uh, for it to sink into our hearts that we might be changed by it tonight. Guide us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, This is John's account of Jesus' last words to his disciples. And really, these are his last... This is Jesus' word for when it seems impossible to believe. Uh, And the reason we know that is because this is the night before his death. Uh, The next day will be... We talked a little last week about how he would be looking ahead to the next day, which would be his ultimate test the most suspenseful, important day in the history of the world, the day that Jesus would go to the cross. And for his disciples, these next days and then next weeks and next years will be the most difficult they have ever experienced. Uh, The next day, they're going to watch their friend and their teacher, uh, their Lord, be murdered in front of everyone. Uh, Some of them will actually abandon him because of how hard it is to believe that this could be part of God's plan. And so some will turn away. And shockingly, though, some of these men will go on to lead in Jesus' church where they'll face all kinds of challenging challenges, including persecution, imprisonment, and even death uh, for being Christians, for following Jesus. And so Jesus is gearing them up here to face a time where, where they'll feel like failures, uh, where their world will be turned upside down, and it will be next to impossible to maintain faith in him. Uh, he's gearing them up for when it's hardest uh, to believe that God is real, that his love is real, that his plan is good, that life can really and truly be found in Jesus alone. And I want us to think about that as we think about ourselves. When is it hardest for you to believe? Or when are the times when you're most tempted to give up faith? Sometimes that I thought about for myself were times like when I didn't make the grades I thought I needed. And when I didn't know what I was doing with my life. When the girl I really liked did not like me back. When money was tight and I couldn't see where money would come from. When I didn't know what my future held, when I didn't know where I would be living two weeks from then, or two months away, or two years away, when things in my family were really broken and hard. I, want to, I, know, I know in this room there are some of you going through times like that even now, and I want to think about what do you do in those times when it's hardest to believe that God is real, that He loves you, that His plan is good. That Jesus can help you. And if you're like me, you do one of two things in those moments. Uh, when it's hard to believe, you either get frantic or you get fetal. All right, so frantic, right? Uh, you feel out of control. So you do everything you can to control your environment and to control the situation. And you scramble and you're like, you know, it's like this, I need to feel, save myself feeling. And so what can I do? What are the tangible things I can do? And it kind of feels like drowning after a while. And when you get frantic, but the other way we sometimes, I sometimes handle these situations is I get fetal. You know what I mean? It means I just curl up in a ball on my bed and hold my knees to my chest and hope the whole world goes away, right? I know you guys have probably done that before. It's just like this, like, I just want to give up. Maybe if I just like do this and close my eyes, like all my problems will go away. Uh, It's this avoiding strategy. It's this numbing strategy. And, you know, whether you get, tend to get frantic or tend to get fetal, 
Uh, they're both horrible ways to live, aren't they? Like, they're both miserable ways to live. And so that's kind of, think about that as the background of why Jesus is telling his disciples as they're about to face some of the deepest challenges in life and in following Jesus, uh, what a better way is. And his better way is this. He says, abide in me. Uh, So Jesus tells the disciples to abide in him. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what it means, how it works, and who you will become, uh, specifically through this imagery of the vine. And so first of all, I want us to think about what it means. Uh, Jesus says, I am the true vine. This is, we've seen him already say, I am uh, the bread of life, and I am the light of the world, and I am the good shepherd, and uh, all these I am statements. And tonight it's, I am the true vine, the last I am statement. And he's drawing on this Old Testament metaphor that all of these disciples would know. It's, if you read the book of Isaiah, the prophet, uh, you will see this metaphor where God's people are depicted as a vine. So they would know this metaphor and God's people are the vine and God is the owner of the vineyard in this metaphor. And God cares for his vine and he does everything right. and He plants it and tends to it just right. But the vine doesn't produce the fruit it's supposed to. It, produce, it says it produces wild grapes. And so God, and this is a problem because God's people are connected to God. They should know God. They should care about things like compassion and justice and love for everyone. They should be the people that when you meet them, everyone thinks like, man, these people haven't figured out. Their life is so great. How can I get on board with what they're doing? And instead, in the Old Testament, God's people turn out to be as self-absorbed and as wicked as all the other nations around them. And so there's this tension of how can God stay in a relationship? You know, he's chosen this people to represent him in the world. And how can he stay in this relationship if they keep on getting it wrong? And so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he's saying is, I'm the solution to that problem. That problem of God's people not being able to flourish the way they were meant to. I'm the solution. Uh, If you want to flourish, if you actually want... uh, to be the people that God created you to be, you need to be connected to me. That's what he's saying. And I want you to think about how a vine works. Like, it's a simple metaphor, right? Uh, the better the vine, the stronger that your, the connection is to the vine, the better the fruit that the branches will bear, right? Uh, so when you think about fruit, like, it's ultimately about the vine. Good fruit comes from a good vine. And Jesus is saying, if you want to flourish... You need to stay connected to me. You need to abide in me. And it sounds nice, right? So how does it work? That's the next. So we're going to look at, so that's what it means, but I want to look at how it works. And the key to how it works is this idea of the word that we see in verse, in verse three, he says, already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Uh, In verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, you can, you can ask anything of me. And it's this way of saying the key to abiding in Jesus, the key to staying on the vine is being immersed in the words of Jesus. And this is why we make a big deal about the Bible in our UF. Uh, this is why we, like, we don't have a large group each week because uh, we want to just like, get a group of people together. We do it because we want to gather around God's word. Uh, this is why we not only have large group, but we have small group Bible studies because we believe it's important to be 
immersed in God's word. That's why we encourage involvement in church, because the church is a place where you interact with God's word. This is why we encourage you guys to be reading the Bible on your own, because the Bible is God's word, and we need to be interacting with God's word in order to be connected to him, in order for there to be fruit in our lives. And uh, Because it goes against all our instincts to trust God. It goes against all our instincts when our life is falling apart to stay connected to Jesus. Uh, some of you have heard me tell this story before of a friend of mine who was a pilot in the Air National Guard. His name is Russ. And Russ told me about a mission he flew one time where uh, before the mission he got this, there was this like big stack of like this packet of information about this mission they were going to fly. And his friend said, Russ, like that reading that will save your life. And so he read it. Uh, even though thick stacks of paper, like he normally just was like, whatever. But this friend was like, this is going to save your life. And so he read it. And what he found out was that on this particular mission, they were going to fly through a corridor of sky that anyone was allowed to pass through. But that the enemy, they were in enemy territory, but there was this one treaty. It was like, you're allowed to fly through this one passageway in the sky. And the enemy was going to put them on missile lock while they flew in hopes that their instincts would kick in and they would like get out of there, out of that corridor, into the enemy territory where they were then allowed to shoot you down. And so this whole flight, they're flying along and you hear that tone of like, beep, which means the enemy is about to shoot you. If they hit launch, they will hit you and you will die. And all they have to go on is that packet that says, don't do anything. Keep going. Don't trust your instincts. Trust this packet and you will live. If you follow your instincts, you will be in enemy territory and they have every right to shoot you and they will. And that's what it's like trying to abide in Christ. That's what it's like trying to be rooted in the word. It's this battle to balance what we feel with what Jesus tells us is true. So we need to be immersed in this word. We need to hear again and again, God created us for life. We need to hear again and again, God entered into our world to rescue us. Uh, We need to hear that Jesus accomplished redemption on the cross, that we could be his forever because of the cross, uh, that he came to be our substitute so we could always be secure. Uh, there's so much that we need, to he- we need to hear over and over of God's love. Uh, this weekend, I was out of town for a couple of days on a short trip, and I was away from my family. And one of the things I did is I would often pull out my phone and look at this kid. That's Asher. Asher's one and a half, and he's awesome. I kind of rotate, like, which one of my kids is on my lock screen on my phone, and you guys have no idea how often, like, at a certain point in the day, I'll just pull this out and be like, oh, I love this kid. <laughs> and the Bible says that if God had a phone, he would always be pulling it out, looking at pictures of us. Uh, we, uh, Dylan read this call to worship for us from Zephaniah 3, and if you read the next verse from what he read, it says that the Lord will 
The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. It's this picture of a God who, when he thinks of you, breaks into song. And that's in the Bible. Like, we need to hear that. If you're not hearing that, your life will go totally off track. Like, if you're not immersed in that word, everything will fall apart. So we need the word. But the second kind of key to understanding how this works is that we need to expect to be pruned. Uh, part of abiding in Christ is expecting, is being pruned. A uh, vine, you think of a vine or a tree, like it, the branch will be healthier if from time to time it is pruned, which means cut. Uh, if you come to our house, if you've been to our house, you know we live on this like property and there's actually a bunch of apple trees on our property and a friend of mine is a tree expert and one time I was like, you know, I didn't know these were apple trees at first and he was showing them to me and I was like, what is that like mangled, raggedy tree doing out in our field? And he said, that's actually an apple tree. And I was like, why doesn't have any, why are there no apples growing on it? And he said, well, it was never pruned. And so it just got old and it stopped producing fruit. And so if you want to tend to a fruit tree, you need to prune the branches. Uh, and I, I want you to think about the idea of us being pruned. What do you think it will feel like? It is cutting, right? It will hurt. Uh, and what it means is that God may make you hurt more for the purpose of making you abide in him more and flourish more. And I want you to think about what that pruning might look like in your life. Uh, I think it might look like being put in situations where it's hard to believe. Uh, so that you can come to see that God is trustworthy. So you can come to rely on him again and again. And I know some of you are there even right now in these situations where it's really hard to believe. And I want you to think about the idea that maybe this is God pruning you. Maybe he's making you stronger by allowing you to hurt so that you might trust in him. And how do you know if you're abiding in Christ? Uh, well, the simplest way is to look for the fruit, right? Uh, how can you tell if fruit is growing in your life? Most people think you should look at the things you're good at. And that's actually not what you should. You should look at the things you're bad at, uh, you're not good at, and look for ways in which Jesus is changing you in those areas. And there's actually, like, in the Bible, there's actually a list of fruit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control and I want you to think about maybe think about those think which one of those am I terrible at where I can kind of be looking and seeing like am I growing though am I becoming like if you're naturally an impatient person and you become a Christian or you're growing as a Christian uh, then being attached to Jesus should be like am I becoming more patient as I remain attached to the vine. Uh, for me, one of those things, when I was like your age, was correcting people all the time. And I was like, and I still am kind of like a, a know-it-all. And I, I have to like resist this urge to correct people in ways that makes them feel belittled and is not important at all. Like some stupid thing that like, you know, it just makes someone annoyed at me. To be like, oh, actually, this, 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 you know, and everyone hates that. But for some reason, like, that comes naturally for me to be like that. And so uh, that's an area where, over time, I've come to, like, 
be in those situations and I feel it. I'm like, I really want to say the right answer, but I'm just going to shut up because, like, Jesus calls me to be kind. And as you think about growing, like, think about growing fruit and bearing fruit. The, the, the solution is not just do it. Just grow it. Because you can't, right? Think about a tree. Like, you can't, a tr- like, you can't just grow fruit. The solution is asking, you know, am I abiding in him? Am I connected? Uh, how have I disconnected myself from community or from the word? A- am I even interacting with God's word enough for there to be fruit? Uh, what lies am I believing about God that are making me act this way? Uh, so that's, that's how it works. But I want us to think now, kind of in closing, of what you will become. Uh, so how it works and the way it plays out and now like how, who you will become. And you need to see that Jesus' approach is totally backwards. Every other religion says like, come on, you better show some fruit now. Like where's the fruit? And Jesus says... I want you to flourish, too. I want to see fruit, too. But branches don't produce fruit. The vine produces fruit. Stay attached to me. Let me worry about the fruit, and you stay attached to me. I'll be responsible for the fruit. You'll never become what you were meant to be without staying near to me, without the word reminding, me, reminding you who you are, who I am. I wonder how that strikes you. Like, the question is, can that actually work? Can I actually change and become kinder and gentler and more patient and more loving and more self-controlled just by abiding in Jesus? Just by listening to him? Just by spending time with him? I want you to think about my relationship again now with my kids. What do, I, what do we want for our, like, what do me and Maggie want for our kids? We want them to grow up and we want them to be prepared to go out into the world and love God and be great. Like, that's what we want. We want them to grow up and be great. And so what does that mean for us today? Like, how do we get there now? Uh, what should we be doing at this point in time? And, you know, from day one, like, we went to parenting classes before we had our first child, Margot. And, and what they tell you in those classes is, you know, the, the only thing you can do for your kid is, when they're a baby is keep them near to you. And so, like, the second a baby is born, you, like, slap that baby on the mommy's chest, skin to skin, for as long as it takes for that baby to just, like, you know, connect. And you do that as a dad. Like, dad, you take off your shirt, too, and you put that baby on your skin. And what you learn is, like, for a little... Like, you can't spoil a little baby by, like, loving them too much. You can spoil a toddler, but, like, a baby... Like, you can't keep them near to you enough. And they just, like... Little babies flourish when they're given that much attention. And, you know, as you think about it, it changes as kids grow up. But what little kids need is to know, like, I'm near to my parents. And things get messed up when kids lose that. Uh, So what's going on with parenting, especially with really little kids, is little kids are getting their tank filled up to go out and conquer the world. What does God ultimately want for us? 
He wants us to flourish in his world and be great in his world. And to flourish, Jesus says, you need to stay near me. In other words, you're a lot more like a toddler or a baby in God's eyes than you think. You know, maybe God doesn't care about all the stuff you're worried about. What he really wants is for you to just come be near to him like a newborn baby slapped on its mother's chest. And Jesus says, come, you need to listen to my words. I'll prune you. And you'll be glorious. And as you get close to God, as you spend time near to God, as you spend time in his word, what you will find in there, in this word, is a God who will suffer infinitely to have you. And there's nothing that will set you free like that. The God of this Bible, as you immerse yourself in it, you will come to know a God who will stop at nothing to have you and love you, even though you're rebellious, even though you turn away. He fights to have you back. And the result of that is joy. You know, this passage ends with joy. Uh, Joy is about the way you are when times are tough. You know, joy is not the opposite, you know, like some people, you know, doesn't mean you can't be sad, but joy means, joy is what you're like, this hope, this peace, this overwhelming just sense of God's love, even when life is really hard. And that's who God wants you to be, and he wants you to do it as you abide in him. Uh, So let's pray that God would accomplish that work in us tonight. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, desperately need to be near to you. Uh, I pray that you'd help us to see that more and more. I pray that you'd give us more opportunities to abide in your word. I pray as we come to your word that you would bear fruit within us, that you would help us to see what we need to see in your word, to study it right, to learn from it, and to be changed by it. And we pray that we would come to know this joy, uh, even when life seems like it's falling apart and when faith seems like too much. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.